0: Hey, Real Talker, Pierre Polyev's conservatives are riding high. The party is outpolling Justin Trudeau's liberals by a wide margin, and, and that was before this weekend's packed conservative convention in Quebec City. Of course, there's still an eternity before the next federal election, but is the writing on the wall? We talked to podcaster and veteran political strategist David Hurley. Who will be the last man standing, Pierre Polyev or Justin Trudeau?
1: this is a relay project real talk starts right now here's ryan jesperson
0: want to welcome you to the september 12th edition of real talk we're talking politics today. Probably no surprise to anybody. The the ripple effect of the uh, conservatives' convention uh, in Quebec City over the weekend will uh, well c- continue to set the tone to a certain degree. Of our show's content this week, coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk to Jennifer Laywest. She's a, uh, a conservative delegate out of Saskatchewan. She was there in person in Quebec over the weekend. I believe, Johnny, that she was and and will fact check this. Okay, uh, but from a post that I saw on social media, I believe she was on the WestJet flight where Pierre Polyev addressed uh, his fellow <laughs> passengers. Have you been paying attention to yeah, this video saw, that's making yeah, the yeah. rounds? He did a pretty good job of it. Everybody's kind of been commending the conservative leader for his delivery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, some people, if if you're a political opponent of Polyev's or if he rubs you the wrong way or if you're not a big fan of his policies or uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you may not like what he had to say. But Mm -hmm. if you look at how he said it and how he carried himself over the weekend, a lot of people are saying this this candidate here, the leader of the official opposition, represents uh, a formidable challenge. For Justin Trudeau, if he wants to stay on as prime minister. And that included mm-hmm. what appeared to be uh, a kind of sort of impromptu address on the PA, kinda, on sorta. the flight. Kind of sort of. Uh, people said, well, it had been cleared with WestJet ahead of time. They knew that uh, the man who wants to be prime minister was going to address the passengers. Do you but- want to
2: hear it here? I keep, keep throwing it, up. You it? Yeah, okay. why, why don't we
0: do it for people, for our podcast listeners, our YouTube viewers? That may not have seen it. That may not have heard it. Uh, I think there's like 17 of you in the country. Uh, here it is.
2: It's uh, going to take one second for the audio to cue. Okay. Just okay. This is, so so
0: this go. is this is a WestJet flight, and pull you up talking to the passengers on board.
3: Who's ready for some common sense? Who's ready to give a big thank you to the WestJet pilots and crew? your captain warning. A little bit of turbulence, but it will only last about two years. (laughs) At which time we'll have a totally new crew and pilot in charge of the plane. We'll pierce through the storm, safely land, in our home, the country we know and love. Your home, my home, our home. Let's bring it home.
0: Oh man! <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty good. So that, so that's uh, this, and, and it's a bit of a troll as well, as the prime minister's plane is grounded yeah. uh, at the G20. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there is what are you, what are you kind of sneering at? That that to me is that that is effective politicking. That is that, was, is that is someone who is on point, the master of their message.
2: Yeah, but he's kind of. I, I wonder if he's taken like like comedian classes or something. He's he, you know, it's almost <laughs> like a, a stand up routine half of his stuff is serious the other half are, are, are sick burns
0: yeah so and, and and people are debating now someone says well you know people were kind of upset people are like you know we, we need to call the authority you know whoever looks at you know transport Canada and and all this you know the, the fact that he can get up there and commandeer the PA system on a flight people are all upset and then others are saying well don't worry about it uh, it was a charter flight it was specifically a charter flight just for delegates and attendees of mm-hmm. the conservative convention it was Pri- and then it, it surfaced yesterday that maybe it wasn't a charter flight. And people are getting all caught up in the what really matters here. Mm-hmm. And what this all comes down to is what momentum is the party gaining? What momentum is the leader gaining, if any? Uh, from the convention, I would suggest he is gaining momentum from that convention. And peak what are Pierre. the implications? Yeah, is, or is this peak Pierre? Yeah. As, as one of our uh, real talkers said yesterday, I think that comment was made in the live chat. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being uh, the theme of our thumbnail on YouTube. So you know you've nailed it when your uh, live chat <laughs> comment becomes our thumbnail. So shout out to whoever it was that, that did the peak Pierre uh, wordsmithing. And then the, we got into it. We got into India. it a little bit, and we're going to, uh, you know, not not exclusively this week. I mean, we have a housing roundtable coming up on on Friday, and we're going to be talking about some different things. Uh, Mo Amir is going to join us on Thursday, the host of This Is Van Color on Check out of British Columbia. Uh, I, I don't think we'll talk a ton about Paulie Evan Trudeau, maybe a little bit, but but for the the first few days after convention, we want to look at it. From different angles in just a second we'll have longtime uh, liberal strategist and uh, uh, basically campaign manager you know him well as uh, you know one of Canada's uh, preeminent political podcasters David Hurley host of the Hurley Burley is going to join us so we'll get his take on this you know is Trudeau is the liberal camp are they shaking in their boots. Uh, we'll, we'll dissect that as well. And then, and then we got, a uh, an email written, uh, I don't know if I say oh, written I by flamethrower, but Garth wrote in and he's, uh, he, he's unhappy with a comment that you made on the show yesterday. Do you want to get into this or you want to save it?
2: Party uh, on you, Garth. You want it? You want to hit it head on? <laughs> he go. goes,
0: just boy, I told myself and Garth, I don't know why, but he says, I told myself I'd refrain from commenting for a while. Why? Uh, he says, but it's astonishing that I could not remain Disengaged from Canada's most astute audience, uh, real talkers. He says that's a fact. Attaboy. See, he he opens. Uh, what do they call this? These are like the shit sandwiches. If you're in management, <laughs> you wanna you wanna give somebody, or maybe they call it the praise sandwich. But but it's what's in the middle that matters. They're gonna talk about something positive, a compliment out of the gates. Then they hit you with what they don't like, and then they'll wrap up with a compliment. So he says, Canada's most astute audience here. I am perplexed by the relentless liberal righteousness and the conservative condemnation. Uh, Every so-called neutral or left-leaning commentator, including mainstream media, parrots this singular narrative. He goes, you ever wondered what the conservatives must do to secure victory, especially in the GTA, in and around Toronto, or with women? But, says Garth, have you ever considered what Trudeau and the liberals should do to gain support on the prairies or appeal to men? It's a fair question, Garth, right? He says, no one dares to dissect that, Uh, Perhaps uh, because the prime minister has deliberately sowed division, isolated his loyal followers on a political island, serving them a steady diet of partisan rhetoric. Look at this guy. He's writing (laughs) this thing with a sword. He says these points are conspicuously absent from nearly all media, including yours. Is it any wonder why Alberta feels estranged, why men perceive themselves under siege due to recent cultural shifts? I'm aware that many of you are privy to a more nuanced perspective, yet within the media elite, uh, there seems to be an unwavering uh, adherence, an unwavering adherence to a singular narrative uh, with dissenters facing excommunication. This guy should be a speechwriter. Uh, it's a little wordy, Garth, if you want my real criticism, but I love where you're going with this. And, and he's making a couple good and fair points. Sure. Uh, I don't want to start answering his, his open questions until I finish the email. But I will say this, and maybe maybe part of the reason why people aren't talking about what does Trudeau need to win on the prairies is because nobody thinks he can do it. And because, quite frankly, based on the numbers game, he doesn't have to do it. I don't know. Maybe that's why. But Garth doesn't mean we shouldn't get into it, right? Doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. He says, finally, well, I extend my respect... To Sir Charles Adler. He epitomizes what the media has become over the past two decades from those who aided the deceptive Iraq invasion to today's purveyors of misinformation, who among your media class will in a decade or two confess to knowingly or unknowingly disseminating falsehoods and propaganda for political gain when they should have remained impartial. That from Garth. Hmm. Well, we've never promised to remain impartial, and it's a pretty lame talk show that does, but I'll take your point, Garth, and we'll let it marinate. We'll let it simmer, let me say. He says, side note, funny enough, I paused Monday's episode precisely when you began discussing remembering 9-11. And then Johnny goes right ahead, inadvertently proving my point. Here's the rub, Johnny. He says he insists there's still time for Poliev to mess up, still time for Trudeau to miraculously figure something out. He says, now I recognize Johnny's left-leaning tendencies, and I love he says, and I love the dude, but I'm not certain about your bias, and I respect Mm -hmm. that also. He says, the moment crystallizes the undeniable accusation uh, that the media narrative is unmistakably pro-liberal, pro-Trudeau, and pro-left. Wow! Did well, you? Would you? Garth. Would you like an opportunity to respond to? Garth? Now remember, he opened with something nice. He kind of wraps that he, he loved you. So maybe you know.
2: You know, I'm all, I, I'm always thankful to every listener, no matter which way they lean. Uh, as long as they're commenting, we love it. We love the engagement. I w- I will start with you know, kind of the world's t- tiniest violin playing when when guys are like, "Men are under siege." Like why? Because you're being asked to call people by their correct name or, or give women uh, you know the rights they're uh, entitled to. It's funny, but uh he, so he's calling this election two years out is what he's doing. Well, he's, and I, I would also say I, that's all I was saying is it's two years away. There's a lot of time for Pierre to fuck up. There's a lot of time for Trudeau to recover. And last election, we all thought Trudeau wasn't going to be elected again. And he was. So that's all I'm saying. I, I you know, I, I'm not I'm not calling the election two years out either. All I'm saying is two years is a long time for a lot of things to happen.
0: I think that's a very rational and fair Rebuttal, I think uh, it is to to Garth's relatively Mm -hmm. rational and and fair email. Thank you Garth Um, But I would say to Garth. uh, I saw some some criticism aimed at us aimed at Charles and myself yesterday I don't remember the exact comment, so I apologize uh, to whoever left it But somebody basically said Adler and I were talking about and, and I can't wait to get into this with David Hurley in just a sec Adler and I are talking about how how Trudeau's got a real problem and he's polling low, and, and support appears it. to be low, yeah. and he may not have complete caucus support, and puliev is surging, and is puliev the next Prime Minister of Canada... And at least one of you in the chat was, was, was kind of like, uh, you know, you guys, do you guys need to be reminded uh, of 2016, like Hillary's emails? Do you guys need to be like what, you know, essentially implying that that we are manifesting some sort of a narrative that, that we uh, would be influencing people to feel a certain way about a politician? And, and I guess in a way to put it lazily, to give the right winger a pass and, and uh, you know, to, to give the left winger a harder time than, than they deserve. And so I, I, I hope that Garth saw that, which which I thought was fair commentary. I would also suggest that this this sort of like, you know, unmistakably, quote, unmistakably pro-liberal, pro-Trudeau, pro-left uh, media narrative. I mean, if you look at what we do as independent podcasters, as an, as an independent live streaming show across the country, and you look at who else is doing it in Canada, and there's not very many – like you can count them all on one hand, the lion's share, the majority are on the right wing and like far on the right wing, right? And so we're not the counterbalance to that. We're not marketing ourselves as far on the left or a left-wing show, or for that matter, as someone once described us a progressive podcast. We're not. This is real talk where sometimes uh, the host or guest opinions you may align with, and, and sometimes you may despise them and choose to spit them out of your mouth. Uh, But, Garth, I mean, I I could sit here and list them all, but it's not my job to advertise for them. Uh, I would suggest that you don't have to look very far to find a whole bunch of shows like this that will sing the praises of right-wing or conservative politicians without holding them to to account whatsoever in any commentary on any politician – that's not a conservative, regardless of their party, is, is I mean, that politician is smeared, is is uh, presented as some, I mean, you know, to the extreme. Adler yesterday talking about groomers and pedophiles, right? Like, I mean, I think that the evidence is there. Let me put it this way, Garth. Uh, we opened the show with your email because it had us both talking and think. I didn't read. I wanted Johnny to hear the part about himself live on the show. So I didn't <laughs> read that part to him ahead of time because because the reaction, the art of mm-hmm. reaction is, is big on this one. But in all sincerity, Garth, I so appreciate, again, I I don't know why you said you told yourself to refrain from commenting for a while because we want to hear from all of you, from from real talkers, regardless of where you are or where you think you are or where you used to be or where you might be down the road on the political spectrum. Your opinion uh, and your perception of how uh, our content or our conversations are landing with you, that's really important to us. I mean, the Mm -hmm. show basically is pointless without it. So keep it up. Send us an email anytime to talk at RyanJesperson.com. David Hurley. In 30 seconds, Uh, but first, this is a message specifically for real talkers that are looking for a rewarding and high paying career that do not have necessarily uh, you can you don't get penalized if you have a university degree, but you don't need one to get started as an insurance professional with business career college. You know, in Canada, insurance agents are starting at more than 55 grand a year. They can earn up to close to 90 and all you need to do is take an approved course and pass your licensing exam. Business Career College offers industry-leading approved courses in life insurance and property and casualty insurance, and their expert instructors are passionate about helping you launch your career. Now, here's the benefit for Real Talkers. Right now, you can save 15% on any Business Career College insurance course with the code REALTALK. That's one word, REALTALK. You can get started today, 15% off with the promo code REALTALK at businesscareercollege.com. David Hurley is a longtime uh, political strategist, campaign manager, and his podcast, The Hurley Burley, is one of Canada's most listened to political shows. He's been a great friend of this show ever since inception, and I believe this is your first appearance on the show not wearing Saskatchewan Rough Riders propaganda. What's going on?
4: Well, there was a game last weekend, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, not just not feeling it this week ryan
0: okay that's fair enough yeah. there, there there's there's a whole bunch of people in in our neck of the woods that haven't been feeling the <laughs> cfl lately but 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 there's yeah. been sort of this ray of sunshine for edmonton elks fans as of late yeah no no
4: uh, you're right they look they look a lot better and uh the quarterback i mean it's astonishing that jones didn't play him earlier in the season he's yeah. obviously the best quarterback they have on the in the roster and yeah it's turned their it's turned their season around too late unfortunately Saskatchewan is just grinding along mediocrely
0: uh, hey uh, so there's there's a whole bunch of angles uh, on w- on which we can approach this uh, conservative convention but the, the, the general narrative I think and, and I've heard this from uh, friends of mine as, as well as commentators that you know I mean kind of consensus seems to be that the liberals might be in trouble and whether or not you like Pierre Poliev he, he nailed it on his speech over the weekend what do you think?
4: Well, I mean, I think there are some fundamentals of politics, which is that governments, uh, when they approach eight years in office at the federal level, tend to get defeated. Um, and so uh, it's not a unique uh, thing for this government. It's not a particular judgment on this government. Every government of every political stripe, whether it's Mr. Harper's or Mr. Mulrooney's or um, even the previous Mr. Trudeau's, uh, at, at a certain point, It becomes a time for change. And the only way you can defeat that is by seeming to embody change yourself. That's why sometimes parties change their leader. Sometimes they might have a radical shift in policy. And the other thing you have to do is make people really question whether the alternative is appropriate. You have to really make people see risk in change. Um, And because if people think change is cost-free, they'll choose it. Uh, So that's, that's, you know, that's the situation the Trudeau people are in. They're facing an historical situation, which usually ends in defeat. They're now double digits down in the polls. It doesn't look like they're the most likely people to beat that historical record. So they probably look like they're headed for defeat, but there are two years or maybe even three years left. And a lot of things can happen. Um, And I, you know, in particular, I'm interested in how uh, the possible election of Donald Trump in the United States would change the dynamic in Canada about what kind of leadership we want here. Um, but that's an example of a kind of intervening event that could upset the apple cart. But at the moment, if you were betting, you'd bet on polyev
0: Let's, uh, we you and I, I love our conversations because we can swerve all over the place, and, and then I guess it's my job to bring us back to the road at some point. So, well, why don't we talk about Trump for a little bit, and then we'll get back to, to Canadian politics? The possibility is very real, uh, that he could be the Republican nominee amidst mind boggling circumstances, facing a plethora of criminal charges. I mean, it would, really be an unprecedented uh, type scenario but were he even to secure the Republican nomination do you get the sense that that might empower embolden people that that may right now feeling like their their political views are a little too extreme to be palatable to the general public could it light a fire under the if you want to call it uh, you know people will roll their eyes but like the extreme right uh, even up here in Canada well, I think that's what
4: the existence of Donald Trump in politics has done, is mm-hmm. course in our society and certainly coarsen our politics um, by giving people license to say things that people didn't feel that they should say publicly before, even if they thought them. And so, uh, yeah, I think Trump's success is going to light a fire all across probably the Western world. Um, and you're right, he is likely to be the nominee. Uh, it appears that Republican voters... Uh, are completely uh looking past these uh criminal charges as politically motivated without merit um and just designed to get trump and republicans think that uh there should be that the criminal operations of hunter biden are more serious than than donald trump so he's going to win the nomination and in their system he's already neck and neck with biden in the polls biden something could happen to biden in the next couple of years um and so yeah, there's a real, real prospect that Donald Trump is the president again. Shocking as that is,
0: yeah. Uh, obviously, nobody wishes any sort of ailment or anything else on anybody. But whether or not something happens uh, to Joe Biden, uh, do you think that the the party needs to make a call here and and look at? I mean, you're you're essentially right now. Um, if you're the Democrats, you're trying to convince people that this is the guy for the next six years, right? Like you're trying to convince people or five years. You anyway. are, but you
4: can't. I mean, anybody that votes for Biden in the next election has to assume that at some point in that term, Kamala Harris
0: will be the president. Yeah. So that's the message.
4: Well, I mean, I think it's a weak message, and I think he shouldn't run. Uh, the party has no ability to make him not run. They don't have a system like that. There's no leadership review system in place. He, um, Unless somebody beats him for the nomination, he is the candidate. Um, But I don't think he should run because I think that uh, his age is a real issue for people and it ought to be a real issue for people. And I think that it's really hubris, hubris on his part to think that only he can beat Trump. In fact, it might only be he that Trump could beat.
0: Yeah, can we talk a bit about? I mean, your experience, uh, David, in in you know selling candidates to the public. Basically, um, this might sound like stuff in the shallow end of the pool, but it's real, and that is image and 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 what it projects and what it says. and And we can bring this back to talking about you know Pierre Poliev using different hair product now, getting rid of his glasses, wearing more T shirts than suits, and the like. But even Joe Biden, like when, when when you are the most powerful person on planet Earth, when you are the president of the United States, and you, you kind of struggle, you shuffle around the stage a little bit. I know I'm going to get angry emails from people, but but check the tape. It is what it is. Um, you know, just does it send a? Do, do American voters that might otherwise be sympathetic or supportive to Biden? see some of the, you know, he, he walks off the TV set, he goes the wrong way off the stage, this kind of stuff. Do they sit there and say, this can't be the face of the U.S.? This can't be the image of the U.S.? Is that the type of thing that could legitimately sway people's votes, do you think?
4: Well, I think it might partly be what image does he project of the United States, but mm-hmm. it might also be, is he really capable of running the United States? And is he actually running the United States? And if he isn't, who is? Um, there's no question, all the polls show, Ryan, that his age is a huge factor and that a significant majority of Americans do not believe he's got the mental capacity to be president, to be president right now, much less six years from now. So his age is a significant drag and is going to help elect Trump, who, although he's similar in age, appears much more physically vigorous and less frail than Biden does.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I can't really right now in the live chat. It's like, well, how old's Trump? So Biden's 80 as of right now. We're doing this show. Trump's 77. Uh, but Trump, uh, you know, posts videos of himself, you know, golfing on his courses. I mean, the swing's gnarly, not like I should talk. You he claimed that he shot like in the 60s at his court, won his course in senior championship, by the way? The yeah, he's week.
4: also 6'3, 215.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. they're different guys. It's a different story. But the point is. Uh, It doesn't matter what you or I think about this, it all matters how it plays out. So you potentially have a Trump presidency uh, in the United States and you then got, of course, uh, Canadians with with really, uh, I guess, not even a neck and neck horse race right now, if you look at polling. If you're in the liberal war room or if you're working in the PMO right now, how concerned are you about where polls are right now? Some people are celebrating then some people are rightfully saying we're not even close to an election. The only poll that matters is on Election Day.
4: Well, you mentioned earlier before I came on, I heard you talking about some people say that Polyev is peaking too soon. Mm. In my experience of running campaigns, there's never a bad time to be ahead, Mm. never a good time to be behind. Uh, So. Uh, I think that uh, that's kind of silliness. I mean, they have opened up the kind of lead now that I was wondering why it didn't exist uh, six months ago. Uh, because normally, um, when you're getting toward a change election, the opposition starts to pull away in the polls, uh, quite significantly. And we're starting to see that now. I, I mean, I, I think in the PMO, they know they have a real problem, they just don't know what to do about it. Um, and, uh, I don't think that they know yet what their story is going into the next election campaign. Um, what do they want to be telling Canadians? And and you can't be telling them what you did in 2016. Um, it's not going to cut it now. You have to be a new government with new plans for the new challenges facing the country. And they've got to get their heads around that. And until they do, I don't really know that they can launch an electoral campaign. Uh, strategy run over the next couple of years until they figure out where are we going to be policy wise what are we going to be representing in 2025
0: let's talk about the conservative playbook what you're noting and what's jumping out at you what they're following and then we'll go to the liberals i'd love to ask you about the ndp as well if you're just tuning in live streaming the audio on the mixler app courtesy of california closets we're talking to the hurley burley host david hurley we'll talk a bit about manitoba's election too we'll talk about the housing crisis i hope you don't have plans at any point this morning (laughs) we're happy to have you (laughs) hanging out but here's one of the here's one of the moments of pierre of speech about an hour by the way
3: uh castro s yeah well here it is here's the of the tape. Hard work used to get you a powerful paycheck that bought you good food and a decent home and retirement in a safe neighborhood and a free country. And every generation was just a little bit better off than their parents. That was the promise of Canada. And that, and that is, and that is the most important promise Justin Trudeau broke. You see? You see? Because politicians often break their own promises, but this is different. This promise didn't belong to him. This promise belonged to all of us. But, my friends, it is a promise that Canada kept for me, and it is a promise that I will restore for all of Canada after the next election.
0: All right, so there he is. That's Pierre Polyev over the weekend. The the promise of Canada, right? He, He didn't break it. Politicians often lie, sure, but this is the promise of Canada that he's broken. Why is that significant?
4: Well, it's very powerful rhetoric. Um, and it has the additional virtue of being true. and uh, But it was equally powerful rhetoric and equally true when Mr. Trudeau used it in 2015. These are very, very similar pitches uh, to what Trudeau was saying in 2015. The middle class hasn't had a raise in 30 years. We're going to be the people fighting for the middle class and those who are working hard to join it. Um, And we're going to stand up. The reality is that the reason it's powerful is it taps into something very deep in our society, which is jobs aren't what they used to be and people's standards of living aren't what they used to be. Uh sometime in the 1980s, uh as the neoliberal policy revolution took hold, the fortunes of most people were delinked from the fortunes of the overall economy. So you say you have a low unemployment rate, that doesn't mean people have good jobs, that lots of people at food banks have jobs. Um so yeah, the promise of Canada that we all grew up with is broken, but Trudeau didn't break it. He just didn't fix it. And I don't think Paul Yef can fix it either
0: because it's deeply systemic throughout the entire Western world. Check this out. This is interesting. I want people to remember those those comments that Pierre talked about and, and, and the promise of Canada and what, what you used to be able to get with hard work. And, and anyway, here's the prime minister. Here's Justin Trudeau. Pay close attention to the words he's using. This is just three weeks ago. So we've been working hard. To make sure that our economy has great jobs for you, we've eliminated interest loans on loans for your edu- interest on loans for your education. We're helping you save up to buy a home, but we know there's lots more to do. We owe it to you to take action so you can fully benefit from the promise of Canada, so you can succeed and access all the opportunities that generations before you had, so that you can have both a healthy economy and a healthy environment in strong, vibrant communities long into the future. Am I reading too much into this, that they're both talking about the promise of Canada? Is, is Polyev's uh, three weeks later, a, a direct reference to Trudeau's, or, or what do you think?
4: No, I don't think so. I think they both understand, uh, you know, I, I think they both understand exactly where uh, the zeitgeist is in Canadian politics right now, and it is. Middle class, middle income people who are really angry about the direction their finances are taking. I mean, poor people in the country are still poor, um, and uh, they're you know they don't get angry; they're resigned. In Paul Evans' words, they're too tired to be to be angry. And rich people are doing just fine, but the middle class and middle aged people, this is the this is the politically grumpy group. This is the group that feels like they're worse off today than they were a few years ago and this is a group that looks ahead, you know, we are, we are, you know, to Paulie and to the prime minister's point, we're in the first generation, Ryan, you've heard this before, where Canadians do not believe that the next generation will have as good or better a standard of living as we currently have. And so you've got everybody looking to the future with negative glasses on. Um, and uh, when you're the, when you've been the government for eight years, to respond to that, you need to look like you've understood this and you're taking action to arrest it. You can't tell people you've been working on it for eight years and things are pretty good. They don't want to hear that.
0: Uh, and it's true. I mean, a lot of people are worse off than they were eight years ago. And and, and the proof is in the pudding. And uh, they wouldn't have to look very hard to find that proof. But the question is, how much of that falls on the prime minister? Here's the thing as well in politics not everything's fair. You know something can no. be not your problem and still very much your problem, right?
4: Well, yes, if you're if you're on guard and it happens, uh it's it's your problem. So, you know, this is for instance housing, you know, it is technically correct to say the roots of this housing problem have nothing to do with Trudeau or not much to do with Trudeau. Uh, but it's happened on his watch, and his watch has lasted for eight years. So it's reasonable to say they should have seen this happening earlier, um, and and done something to move on it. It's easily. It's also true that that's should have happened at the municipal and provincial levels as well. But we're talking about about Trudeau right now. So yeah, he's taking responsibility for things he doesn't necessarily control. Uh, but that's life in the big leagues, and one of the advantages he has over Pauliev is that he does have some levers he can control. He can do some things. Polyev can only talk right now, but Trudeau has the ability to actually do something. And... So that's a huge advantage, and we'll see what he does with that over the next two or three years.
0: Uh, We're talking to David Hurley Uh, when we come back. I want to put Garth's question. We read this email right before we brought you into the show, uh, David. Uh, Garth wrote in and said, well, why don't you ever talk about what Trudeau needs to do to win on the prairies? Why don't you ever talk about how Trudeau is going to grow his base among men and young men? Where Poliev, I think, sold a lot of memberships, fair to say, during his uh, leadership run we'll get into that plus we'll talk about the housing crisis manitoba's election canada's path to net zero and more with the host of the hurley burley if you're living in and around edmonton i want to put something on your radar today uh you're invited as a matter of fact from 11:30 in the morning until one in the afternoon today to churchill square this is inflation cafe and it's hosted by civic service union 52 Uh, They say there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, technically not true because there's one for you today. The first 200 people that show up are going to receive a complimentary lunch on the members of CSU 52 with a twist. This lunchtime event aims to be a unique demo to show the effects of inflation and provide a platform for open dialogue and discussion about the challenges that community members are facing due to rising living costs. You see this theme? It's woven through almost everything these days. The Inflation Cafe runs in Churchill Square outside City Hall. No accident there. Today from 11.30 in the morning till 1 in the afternoon. You can check out more details at edmontonforeveryone.ca. If you're looking at a garage makeover right now, you know that winter's soon to hit. You've had your winter tires piled up in the corner over there, and and when you move them to put them on, you're going to realize there's your golf shoes and the extension cord you've been looking for forever. It's time to give California closets a call. Everybody thinks of them as the ones that can redo the primary bedrooms and the living rooms, the entertainment centers in the basement. That's true. That's true. But they are raising the game when it comes to garage storage, including storage cabinets, custom garage solutions designed in the way that only California closets can. The consultation is free. Let them show you how they can get the snowboards up on the wall, the bikes up on the rack, the Allen keys and the wrenches and the hammers and saws where they should be. They can increase the value of your home and they can increase your quality of life while you're living there. The free consultation starts with a visit to californiaclosets.ca. Our friends at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food want to tell you about a couple of specials through the month of September first things first check out granddog.ca they've introduced a couple of new supplements which is a really neat opportunity for you to look at different ways to improve your pet's quality of life and their health that's why we feed our dogs grand dog essentials quality raw food check out the website and you can check out more about doggy biome gut health testing kits you know research always shows the importance of a healthy gut for your pet Of course, it affects their overall health. No surprise there. Creating a healthy gut environment is the foundation of your dog's immune system. There are all signs of gut imbalance. You can learn more about it by visiting the blog link, and then you can place your order at granddog.ca. Don't forget, with the discount code SEPTEMBER2023, you can take 10% off their most popular raw pet food blend. That's Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. And for the humans in your life, the beef roundup is back at Freezin Brothers. It's a tradition they've been maintaining since, get this, 1955. And this year, their butchers are back with two custom options. You can get the custom cup in the custom cut whole hip. The whole hip. This is like 70 pounds of beef plus a 50-pound freezer pack featuring the finest Alberta beef. That we've got to offer the skilled butchers at Friesen Brothers handle all the cutting, all the wrapping in store, the way you order it, the way your family likes it. This event lasts for just two weeks, and you can find more information online at Friesen.com. Hanging out with uh, longtime political strategist, campaign manager, and podcaster, David Hurley. Make sure you subscribe to his show, The Hurley Burley. So if you're the liberals right that old-fashioned now- fashioned peach pie looked good. Oh my gosh! You want to talk about peach pie for a second? I know what you're doing right now. You're trying to get Free Freezing Brothers gift cards, and yeah, uh, maybe uh, well, yeah. Well, we we might be good. able we might be able to make that happen. Uh, the best <laughs> part about this, I can tell you, David. No canned peaches, only fresh, and they use 100% Alberta flour. We're pretty proud of our Alberta flour right now. But beef gets all the headlines, but there's a lot of good things happening in Alberta's agricultural scene.
4: Yeah. You think that the, we from Saskatchewan, did we teach you how to grow wheat? Did you uh, know that? Before, I, I think teach-
0: probably that it was like people, they learned the craft in Alberta and then they got sick and tired of all the like the, the slick paved roads and kind of living high on the high. <laughs> you know, and so they, they decided they wanted to get back to their roots and start roughing it again. And so they moved a little bit east to Saskatchewan. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> Uh, but we well, got a, touche. yeah, we got a lot of love for our for our real talkers in the province of Saskatchewan, uh, swerve. And then we'll bring it back. Ag is, is, is an underrated industry. It doesn't get like all the headlines that, for example, the energy economy or the energy industry might get in Canada. But but ag, I think people would be surprised to see uh, how significantly not just obviously feeding the country, but uh, how it contributes to Canada's GDP as well. Would you agree it's an under discussed industry considering the size of it?
4: Completely. and especially considering the potential of it as well i mean in a world in which a whole bunch of places where food is currently grown where it's not going to be able to grow in the future because of climate change uh canada's possibilities in the global food system are enormous and i think it should be seen as one of the significant growth industries for canada but you're right it doesn't uh it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to get much attention people have no idea for instance how much technological revolution there is going on mm-hmm. in agriculture uh how much more efficient that business has become no there's a lot of impressive things going on in agriculture and most people don't know it yeah most I, people don't have any idea where their food comes from
0: no it's true i appreciate you bringing you know just like dropping in that little thing you know due to climate change with these changes coming um we talked to Shachi Curl last week from Angus Reid and and take a look at some of their polling. It's pretty interesting to see that right now, like at this frozen moment in time, at least, uh, Canadians are saying that they care more about housing and housing affordability, which you might call Canada's housing crisis, than they do about climate change. They care more about it than the opioid crisis. It always sounds very calloused and cold when you put it that way, like if you have to pick what you care about most because it kind of looks like you're saying you, you don't care as much about the other stuff. But are you surprised to hear that after the floods and fires over the summer and and everything going on, the Canadians still say they care about housing more than they do about climate change?
4: Yeah. Now, that's not an obvious choice, by the way. Um, So it's not like one has to choose between housing and climate change. And I think probably lots of people are concerned about both of those things. Uh, But it's a natural human instinct to be more concerned about what's immediately in front of you and problematic to deal with then what you apprehend will be problematic for you to deal with 20 years from now. So, uh, yeah, the immediate often overwhelms the important that way.
0: Mm. So if you're if you're the liberal brain trust right now or if you're advising them, uh, you're not, by the way, are you? Are you? No. Would you go back? Could they bring you back? Could they draw you back into the fold to quarterback the next campaign? Would you consider it?
4: I don't think that would be a good idea, and I don't think they think that would be a good idea. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Why do you think? You, you haven't lost your motivation. You haven't lost your <laughs> hunger, have you? You can still get in the ring. Oh, I'm pretty old now, Ryan. You know, it's a takes a lot
4: of mojo, that game.
0: Have, have campaigns uh, dramatically changed strategy-wise or involvement I mean, have, how would you characterize a campaign present day versus 15, 20 years ago?
4: Well, there's some different aspects to it. I don't think they're any more or less intense than they ever were, but there's a lot of of things changing. You know, the whole media landscape has changed. So, you know, the way you advertise has changed completely from putting ads in the papers and on television uh, to digital advertising and almost ignoring those other mediums. Uh, The role that media actually plays in covering a campaign is becoming less and less important, perhaps even now unimportant. Um, in how media covers a campaign, generating media coverage used to be a huge part of running an election campaign. You put on the tour for the media, you thought of events that would interest them and get you good coverage, all that stuff. That's all that's all gone. I think we've probably seen the end of leaders' tours. Um, and uh uh so there's some tactical differences to it, and and those are important things. I mean, understanding the way to communicate these days through these new media channels and And the reliance one has to have on paid as opposed to earned. These are important things. And younger people probably understand them better
0: than older people. Okay, so to bring it back to the to the question, uh, if if you are, you know, that brain trust or if you're advising this party, if you're calling the shots or or at least contributing to this conversation, how much time do you give the prime minister before you start talking about, you know, potential other leaders heading into the next election? Like a a new leader's got to have six to 12 months, right? before an election, so at what point do you say, you know, the nose of this plane has got to start to go back up before we acknowledge we've got a real issue here?
4: Well, it doesn't matter much what anybody says to him about that. It's his own personal decision. You
0: think? Really? Uh, like, he's calling the shots, that's it? Period?
4: hmm 100%. And my experience has led me to a law of Canadian politics that until it's broken, I think is a law, which is that Nobody resigns this job voluntarily, and people only leave the prime ministership one of two ways. Either they are defeated in an election campaign, or they resign from the job because they are facing imminent, unavoidable defeat in an election campaign. They only leave when they come to the conclusion that they will lose, and they don't conclude that until very late in their mandate. That's why Brian Mulroney stayed into his fifth year um, and gave Kim Campbell very little time to do something after uh, her after uh, she won the leadership convention. Pierre Trudeau in 1980, when Pierre Trudeau came back from having resigned to run against Clark, one of his central promises to the Canadian voter was that he would not serve out his full term and that he would resign because people had resoundingly told him in 1979 they didn't want to be the prime minister anymore, but they did want to get rid of Clark, too. So he said, I'll quit. Five years later, in the winter of 1984, he's desperately still searching for a way in which he can win yet another election. That's how good this job is. That's how much people want to have this job. I learned it all, Ryan, from the Lord of the Rings. Nobody (laughs) gives up the ring. You either take it. They
0: can lose it, or you can take it from them. But nobody gives it up. Hmm. Um, you, you talked about young people and being tired and, and working two or three jobs. And there was that moment in Poliev's speech. I want to I want to play it uh, for audience members of ours that may not have heard it. And then I want to read a, a quick email from Jessica uh, before you and I start talking about the housing crisis in Canada. And this won't be solved solely by politicians, but it does demand uh, intuitive and probably to a certain degree, gutsy political leadership on a couple of things. Johnny, can we tee up the Polyev clip and then we'll get to Jessica's email. Here he is over the weekend.
3: We have youth here today, right? Yes, we do. Almost all the young people I meet these days, they have two jobs, sometimes three. Not to save up for a home, they've long ago given up on that goal, but just to avoid getting evicted. They'd love to have kids, but they're running out of time, and there's nowhere to put them in their $1,500 a month studio apartment. Eight years ago, their eyes beamed with possibility. Now they have big black bags under their eyes. As they drop off off another midnight Uber Eats delivery, their third job. Mr. Prime Minister, our youth are not angry. They're too exhausted to be angry.
0: Number 1, pretty interesting. I I think it, it, Polyev's throwing up I I think some early defenses uh, against an anticipated criticism uh, which is that he will be painted as nothing more than a blowhard, than a man driven by anger without solution. Would you agree the fact he's saying he's saying I'm not angry, everybody else is angry.
4: Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's an important tonal thing, but he yeah. was also um he was also you know reacting to the prime minister's talk about how people in the country are angry and he was responding by saying they're not angry they're too tired to be angry mm. they should be angry i'm angry on their behalf yeah uh but they're too tired to be angry you know what's super powerful about that is because in politics 90% of persuasion is convincing people that you understand the problem the way they do that you see things the way they do because if you do then they can Assume that you might react to it and do something about it that will be good for them. But if you don't understand the problem, they have no hope that you will resolve it. And so Paul is standing there and saying something that is going to resonate tremendously uh, with young people because it's pulled right out of data. He knows it's true. And so he's saying that and young people are hearing that and saying he gets me. That's one of the advantages of being in opposition because Trudeau can't give that speech. He's been the prime minister for eight years. Um, he has to try to talk things up. He can't pierce to the heart of the diagnosis the way he was able to in 2014, 2015 when he got when he got elected. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Pauliev has hit on some very powerful and resonant messaging here, and it's showing up in in pretty shocking support levels. Um, among millennials for Polyev. I mean, millennials are the people that were f- four square behind Trudeau in 2015, but it looks now uh, like they are abandoning him in large measure.
0: We got an email from uh, Jessica to talk at ryanjesperson.com. She says, I grew up in Edmonton. I watched my mother struggle to work three jobs to make ends meet as a single mom. I'm now 30 years of age uh, with a university degree and any family plans are on hold as I refuse to subject a child to a less than stable life. The life that I had growing up, my fiance and I were slowly saving so that we could maybe have a down payment in eight years Uh, affected by a recent layoff. That dream of a home to start our own family appears out of reach entirely at the risk of sounding dramatic. What hope do my fiance and I have? There have been recent affordable housing projects announced in our city, but what protections are the city taking to ensure that developers aren't holding all the cards? It appears to be clear that we cannot depend on the goodwill of investors. As rent spirals out of control in all major Canadian cities, what protections are cities putting into place to support working families so they can live where they work and support the next generation of workers? That from Jessica, who I suspect is speaking for thousands, if not millions of people. How is a politician to respond to something like that? If Jessica were to get Poliev or Trudeau or Jagmeet Singh or or another political leader uh, in a one on one, a prolonged or extended handshake as part of a meet and greet and were to deliver her message in 30 seconds what would the politicians say that you think might provide some meaning some hope to her with substance
4: well i don't i don't know i mean it is as she pointed out in her email an extraordinarily complicated uh issue with a lot of moving parts it's not like it's up to one entity that can fix this or control this a lot of things have to be working together so it's very complicated Mr. Paulyev, if she talked to Mr. Paulyev, he would empathize with her problem. And then he would say he's going to get the gatekeepers out of the way, which he would describe probably as local municipal politicians. And he's, he would say, I'm going to make their funding from the federal government for all municipal services dependent upon them building houses. And I'm going to have rules and targets and they're going I'm going to whip those cities and towns into shape so that they build, build, build. Um, I don't know many people who think it's that simple. The problem is uh, people want it to be that simple. If you're looking for a house now, you don't want the answer Mr. Trudeau would give you, which is a long systemic discussion about how three levels of government have to work together with the private sector and get land in the right places and get tax incentives right and get this right and that right. That doesn't sound to you like you're going to get your home anytime soon. But that is the reality.
0: Uh, David Hurley our guest this morning in just a second I want want to talk to you about uh, net zero initiatives across the country because Canadians will expect uh, conservatives will expect their party uh, to table meaningful platform here they've they've seen and maybe I'm oversimplifying but I think that they've seen their party lose an election before because it didn't have a serious climate plan and that may have quite frankly been the only reason Uh, That Andrew Scheer lost an election. You can take an issue with that if you like, uh, David, in just a quick second. We'll talk about the road to net zero in Canada, the politics of it, and and then we want to touch on Manitoba's election as well coming up in just a quick second. Hey, are you following Kubi Renewable Energy on Instagram yet? If not, make sure to give them a follow at Kubi Energy. They've got a great post, a really informative post on net metering. I have no idea what this was, or at least I didn't until I read it. It's a really neat way to harness the power of solar uh, so with this setup, your your panels on your home, your barn, your, your commercial property, whatever, will generate electricity during the day so they supply your immediate needs. And then you can contribute surplus energy back to your local utility provider. Those are translated into credits, and then they're stored in your energy bank. So, uh, you know, they say, picture this a movie night. You're using electricity beyond what your solar panels provide. No worries. The grid steps in seamlessly, delivers required power, deducts the credits from your account, And then, if you surpass your accumulated credits, big deal! The utility bills you for additional energy drawn from their supply. It's a lot more simple than critics would have you believe. You can learn more about net metering and get a free quote. Find out what it would actually cost to put solar on your property by visiting kubienergy.ca. Now, if you're one of those that would aspire toward a career in energy. You want to be part of Canada's energy economy, whether it's present day, I mean, it could be potash mining in Saskatchewan. We could be talking about natural gas projects. We could be talking about oil refineries in Alberta, or maybe you want to look to the future. Where's this industry going? Apex Automation wants to talk to you. If you're a professional engineer anywhere in Canada, they want to add you to their team. That's right. They are the fastest growing automation firm in Canada. And congratulations, by the way, to Apex. They've just opened a field office down in the Lone Star State of Texas, providing more opportunities for their professional engineers, electricians, and also instrumentation professionals to reach their true and full career potential. If you're languishing where you're at, if your employer does not appreciate you and you've still got more to give, check out the careers link today at apexautomation.ca. You know, the fall blizzard menu is here at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton in Sherwood Park. You deserve to treat yourself today. Real talk tells you so, and you know it to be true. Why not go check out or rediscover September's blizzard of the month, which is the Pumpkin Pie Blizzard. Of course, you know this only comes around once a year. You can't order this thing in the middle of July, which is what makes it so very special. Johnny, I love that they use real chunks of pumpkin pie in the soft-serve ice cream. Come on, baby. Plus, they top it off with whipped cream and the quintessential fall spice, nutmeg. It's the Pumpkin Pie Blizzard. Order it by name today and tell them Real Talk sent you at a Dairy Queen in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And a big shout-out to our friends at Complete Care Restoration. I was talking to Hurley just a second ago about fires and floods and the reality of climate change. We don't have to sell that to those of you that are in communities that have been impacted this summer. For a lot of you, your biggest fall project is getting your life back. It's rebuilding. It's restoring back to normal as best you can, your home, your business, or otherwise. Complete Care Restoration has been doing that for more than 10 years. Still a family-owned business with certified professionals. You don't wanna mess around with a project like this. If you've got mold or asbestos at play, they can assist in sampling and analyzing those building materials to make sure everything is properly handled. The safety of you and your family is of utmost importance to the team at Complete Care Restoration. If you're dealing with an insurance claim right now and they're giving you a hassle, make sure you check out the small print. Chances are you get to choose the contractor. And we, with two thumbs up, recommend complete care restoration David Hurley is the host of the Hurley Burley podcast you you recently I think it was just uh correct me if I'm wrong it was like two or three weeks ago was not it you spoke to the federal environment minister Stephen Gilboa yeah No, no, I
4: had uh, Jonathan Wilkinson, the federal energy minister. Right,
0: right. What struck you about the conversation and and what did he bring to the table in in the context of the federal government's uh, commitment right now? Not just to net zero by 2050, but they want grids, including Alberta's net zero by 2035. And it appears to be kind of an unwavering, inflexible commitment. Would you agree? Uh, Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. So politically. Is this a winning play or not? Uh, You've got provinces, including in Alberta, probably most loudly, most prominently pushing back, saying, uh, not only is it not possible, we're not even going to try. I I, I asked Premier Daniel Smith about that a while ago. The Alberta government sending a pretty clear message uh, with this wind and solar moratorium. We talked to Energy uh, Environment Minister Rebecca Schultz about it as well, says it's not this government's top priority.
4: Well, let me just take a step back and, and tell you what I think the politics around climate change are. You talked about the 2019 election and whether Scheer lost on that issue. I think it was one of a number of issues that he sort of landed on the wrong side of um, in that campaign. But it's important to understand where the right side is and the wrong side is. This is something that most Canadians have now accepted is happening, that the climate is changing and that human activity is largely responsible for it. That part of it is largely now accepted uh, by the public. Um, And so if you as a politician sound cavalier about that or disinterested in that, then people are going to think that, you you know, that's that's a flaw on your part. But that doesn't mean that they want dramatic action either, because it's far from clear to Canadians that Canada is the problem. Um, you know, one of the ways people resolve cognitive distance, I don't want to pay more money or weaken my economy, but I'm worried about this climate change thing, is to say, well, really, China is the climate change problem, not Canada. So we really, you know, until China gets its act together, I don't know why we're doing why we're doing so much here. Um, the bottom line is, is that it's not at a situation yet, and it won't be until it's too late for people to want to make personal sacrifices. Um, in order to address climate change. Canadians are still looking for this problem to be solved by somebody else, whether it's other countries or the business community or somebody else. They don't want to be paying for it. Vast majority of Canadians do not understand how the carbon tax that the Trudeau government's put in place works. They don't understand what impact it would have if you get all the money back. They don't understand why government would take money from you and give it back to you. They assume that money is getting siphoned off from them along the way. And so, what they see in the carbon tax for a lot of people is a tax that costs them money and probably isn't making much difference. I don't, neither one of those things is true, but it's how people see it and believe it. So, it's seen as their, I think the carbon tax is hugely vulnerable in this election campaign. And I'd be surprised if it didn't really work for Polyev to run against it the way he's running against it. And probably it won't survive. So, the Trudeau people probably need to be thinking about what a more durable climate change politically durable climate change policy might be rather than just running into the wood chipper with the carbon tax which i think is going to be a burden for them to carry around in the campaign
0: I, i'm trying to sort of like max Fawcett's name is, is top of mind right now he's, he's a great friend of this show former editor of Alberta oil magazine and yeah max, i read him all the time yeah, yeah. He, he's the lead columnist for canada's national observer and when i when i think of like those that like are sort of like I don't know if, you know, sort of like vociferous defenders of the carbon tax. Max is on the record saying, like, in his conviction, I certainly don't speak for him, but he's kind of like, this is the best way to try to reduce emissions, carbon pricing. Are you, David, are you convinced that the carbon tax is integral to meaningful climate policy in Canada? Or could you be swayed if, if let's say, you know, Pierre Polyev or the Conservatives come up with an alternative plan uh, that that... that eliminates the carbon tax at least for consumers like at least on the individual level maybe um you know i mean alberta's you know taxed carbon had a price on carbon you know in industry for many many years uh, well before rachel notley as an example uh, but at an individual level could you be swayed uh, that it could be a a, a decent uh, move that canada wouldn't have to abandon its climate targets its emission targets uh regardless of where the carbon tax is at
4: well i mean it First of all, what the hell do I know, Ryan? I mean, I'm a political hack um, and I host a podcast. So uh, what do I know? about? Let it? me ask you of, this. The-
0: do you think then, based in your wheelhouse and your expertise, could a political leader convince the electorate that a nation can have meaningful climate targets without a carbon tax?
4: Well, I think easily. I think easily. And I think that Joe Biden did Pierre Pauli of an enormous favor because he his climate plan does not include any price on carbon. And everybody around the world is obliged to say that Joe Biden has a good climate plan um, and it's entirely technology investment based. And that's where where have rhetorically says he's going. We haven't seen any meat on those bones. And of course, Canada cannot conceivably in any way match the approach the United States is taking financially uh, the vast amounts of money that they're spending on this. Everybody that I've talked to says in the Canadian context, that a uh, carbon tax is a very logical way to shift behavior um away from to nudge people off of using fossil fuels and into using um electri- electric electric uh, powered whatever it is you're using and you know that makes a lot of sense to me uh in a place like toronto where there's a ton of options where you could drive your car or you could take public transit which is pretty effective um or you might live downtown and walking or biking is an option. So where you have alternatives using the tax system to nudge people from one type of behavior to another seems to be perfectly rational. However, I spent a week in Regina this summer and there are not those kind of alternatives for people. There are not choices that they can make that lessen their reliance on fossil fuels. And so, you know, whether you live in northern Canada or rural Canada, you um, you don't have those kind of options, and so it really is just something that becomes a tax on you uh, that maybe you get all of it or most of it back, or maybe you don't, but it's certainly not something. I mean, the government sells it as you change behavior and you can make money. Well, that's not going to be true for you in Red versus Saskatchewan.
0: Hmm. Let me ask you, uh, I appreciate your time, David. We've kept you way past when we asked for it. Um, you know, we know what life's like for you these days, David. You know, you get your tea. You, you, you write your own ticket. You do whatever the hell you want. Uh, are are we That's just, right. That's a, we're just delaying yeah. your second latte of the morning. Is that is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh,
4: latte sipping Torontonian. You know, no, I'm a regular Joe drinking Regina boy.
0: boy. You take your coffee black? No, cream. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, mm. Manitoba uh, tonight. Uh, Manitobans will see their, their first uh, televised leaders debate. They're calling it a leadership forum uh, ahead of the election, October 3rd. Um, Heather Stephenson, uh, premier, obviously hoping that her, her PCs can hold government. Wab uh leader of Manitoba's NDP, appears to be mounting a significant uh, challenge. Uh, both of them, I, I don't know why this is a, a, a significant point to make, but they've fielded a full slate of candidates. I guess it's significant because the Liberals haven't, uh, which I think sends kind of a strange message. Uh, you want to have, obviously, a candidate represented in every riding but it appears to be for all intents and purposes uh, a question of of whether or not uh, Premier Stephenson can can hold government for the PCs what do you think is the most significant election issue in Manitoba what are you paying attention to in that race and what should the rest of Canada outside Manitoba focus on here what's the number one storyline do you think well Okay. There's a lot there. Let's, let's, let's have at it. I mean, first of all,
4: uh, we're seeing a close election now that is unanticipated because the NDP had a massive lead over the conservatives for several years. Yeah. Uh, it prompted, uh, Brian Pallister's resignation and his replacement with Heather Stephenson, but for a long time she couldn't move the needle and only recently has she moved the needle, but she's moved it so much that the parties in the last poll were tied. Um, and that doesn't mean they're tied today because that was just a point in time and, and the Conservatives seem to be on an upswing. So they could well be ahead uh, going into this election campaign, the Conservatives, but they're well behind in the city of Winnipeg. Manitoba has a two and a half party system. The Conservatives in the NDP are major parties and the Liberals are a party that is a factor in Winnipeg, likely less so this time because their support levels are weaker than they've been in the past, probably in, at least in part due to the weakening fortunes of the federal liberal party uh over time so yeah it's really a head-to-head battle what's at issue well Wab canoe is at issue um he's an indigenous person um and so it would be quite a remarkable statement to have an indigenous person being elected premier of a province um and uh so as any of, of us who've run candidates who were minorities before know that Frankly, that shrinks your potential vote pool. There are some people that won't vote for Wab Canoe because he's indigenous, just like there were some people that wouldn't vote for Kathleen Wynne because she was lesbian. And so uh, he's got already a bit of an uphill battle. Um, he has um, a criminal record from his uh, youth or from his younger days. I don't know quite what age we're talking about, but. Um, and they're not insignificant matters but they're a long time ago and he's obviously lived a very different life since then there's some allegations in Manitoba that the conservatives are trying to remind people of that issue by their really strong focus on crime in their platform the conservatives are talking a lot about crime not I you know I I I can I can see the cynicism that people would layer into that but I also think that in our major cities crime is becoming something that people are concerned about with the rise of homelessness um and uh seemingly um uh, you know a tougher situation on our streets I think a lot of people are concerned about crime so the conservatives have hit on a resonant issue there and it's one that's always a good issue for conservatives and probably running against Mr. Canoe isn't even better Issue for conservatives. I note from to leapfrog off of our last question that no part, neither of the two parties has bothered to have any climate change platform whatsoever in this election campaign. And they're both promising to reduce, well, Stephenson is campaigning against the carbon tax and Canoe is campaigning, promising to reduce the gas tax. So, one way or another, they're going the other direction, understanding the populist economics of our day it's going to be a very very interesting race and it really comes down to whether stephenson can break into winnipeg because the most recent polling showed that the conservatives were overwhelmingly dominant in the rural parts of the province but the ndp still held a significant lead but the ndp need to sweep winnipeg so they don't need to just win winnipeg they need to sweep winnipeg so the lead has to be very large
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if the PCs hang on and win and, and you've got, I mean, I I don't know how much I put into this. Everybody remembers that iconic, that McLean's cover that had, what was it called? Like the new, what was it with all the, the resistance? Premiers? The resistance. And it had like Doug Ford and Jason Kenney and Scott Moe and all that, you know, and it sort of implied that like the carbon tax was set to evaporate. It was going to be gone. And, and yet still here it is. However, if, if you get, if you keep that kind of that conservative block in place, uh, no pun intended. And, and, and you've got, you know, Danielle Smith, Scott, Mo, and Scott Moe, and then you say you have Stephenson, you got Doug Ford. It could keep things interesting there. I want to circle back on the Wab Canoe stuff. Uh, 2003, he was charged by RCMP, uh, two counts, of domestic violence related to allegations that he had, had, uh, assaulted his girlfriend. The charges were stayed, um, uh, under then premier Brian Pallister a few years ago, the, the, PCs in Manitoba actually put out a website, um, and, and they were talking about his his assault of a taxi driver. Anyway, people can look it up for themselves in Google. I don't mean any anyway. I'm not dismissing it, uh, but it was 20 years ago. Um, there, there's kind of like as a political strategist yourself, do you have to be careful on a couple of fronts, and and in the back of my brain, it's saying be careful asking this question even. But but I think it's a fair question. Do you have to be careful number on, on one front um, that. You know, you, you can also voters kind of like a redemption story. Voters kind of like the comeback. They kind of like someone that had a maybe a troubled past or a troubled youth, maybe didn't grow up with all the advantages, uh, and the, and have come to their senses. They're contributing positively, you know, to the public service, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. And do you also have to be careful that Mr. Canoe is indigenous, and that attacks against him and his character and his past might land a little deeper, a little more searingly. Than attacks against a, a white guy that went to private schools his entire life. Like, like, how do you approach this as a strategist?
4: Well, very carefully, as as you suggest, but, um, you know, um, there are things that people say are unacceptable. Let me give you an example. When I am preparing a negative advertisement in an election campaign, an ad that's attacks my opponent, um, and I show it to focus groups. The first thing everybody in the focus group will tell me is how much they hate the ad. And how much they hate me for even making them watch that ad. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they'll go on at great length about how they're not interested in a party running down its opponents. All they want to hear from a party is what they're going to do. Don't tell me, don't run down on your opponent. That makes me think less of you, they'll say. Well, maybe. But at the end of it, If the ad is a good ad, they will be reciting back to me points in the ad because it will have, despite their uh, rational uh, rejection of the tactic, nonetheless, that information is now in their heads. And, you know, when it comes to an Indigenous leader, when it comes to the relationship of Indigenous people and crime, um, you know... Uh, There's a reptilian part of our brains that probably processes that in a way that's helpful to the conservatives.
0: Hmm. David Hurley is the host of the Hurley Burley podcast, which is, uh, as they say, a commotion of insights, (laughs) arguments, opinions and an impossibly loud laugh or two. If you didn't get that by now. Uh, hosted by our guest today david hurley it's been a huge honor uh for me to have appeared on that show and i don't miss an episode you can uh learn more about it and subscribe by following the link in our show notes on youtube or the podcast or just check out directly airquotesmedia.com thb that's the hurley burley thanks for doing this pal it's always so good to see your face ryan thanks for
4: having me on it's a great honor to be on your show all the time you're so good at what you're doing and really a big fan of your work
0: thanks man means a lot coming from you that's David Hurley, host of the Hurley Burley. This conversation is presented by Real Talk partners like our friends at Athabasca University. That's Canada's open university. You know, it's not an overstatement. It's not a stretch to say that people's lives are being transformed by studying at Athabasca University. And over the course of this fall, we're going to introduce you to a series of Uh, that tells these individual stories, stories of students that have encountered challenges in life in past, Uh, whether it's immigrating to Canada, uh, coming to Canada as a refugee, Uh, for a lot of people escaping a life where opportunity just wasn't a reality. Poverty, domestic violence, families that have been plagued by alcoholism, you name it, there are people that through the course of their lives found that door after door was closing on them until they discovered Athabasca University now it's not just this solution inherent that works for everybody but on a lot of the key hurdles that have stood in the way of people's education journey in particular post-secondary education Athabasca University delivers something different something different than all the other post-secondaries number one it's a school, it's a post-secondary institution where you can learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle, and the only commute is to your device. That's right. You select your path. You choose your path, and you jump right in, whether that's an online undergrad program, uh, maybe it's online professional development. Heck, maybe it's just an online course in, in, in subject matter that's appealing to you or that's caught your interest. You're intrigued. You can start your journey today at Athabasca University, Canada's open university, by finding out how AU works at athabascau.ca. If you're a decision maker for a municipality in Alberta or Saskatchewan, if you're a business owner or you're in charge of operations, I don't have to tell you how important your budget is. You're keeping a closer eye, maybe now more than ever before, on your bottom line. When's the last time you reviewed your garbage or recycling contract? When's the last time you talked to the company that's managing that for you and asked them to give you a better deal? Our friends at Local Environmental Services, if you're in Alberta or Saskatchewan, wanna hear from you. They believe that communities deserve better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. Local Environmental Services is your full service environmental solutions partner. You can rely on local environmental because when it comes to waste collection, you can't afford not to. You can request a quote today by visiting localenvironmental.ca. They promise same-day callback. And don't forget, Local Environmental Services presents Trash Talk right here on Real Talk every Friday, You can get your rant off your chest by sending us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. That's always a highlight of our week. Uh, Some might say, as you tell us in your feedback, your favorite five minutes of the week. And a shout out to our friends at Eden Landscaping. I know that it feels like falls already here. I mean, technically, we're not necessarily keeping an eye on the calendar. We're more looking around us. The leaves are falling. The temperature is starting to drop. But that doesn't mean that Eden Landscaping is hanging up their shovels quite yet. They're wrapping up their summer projects and starting to talk to their clients about what they're looking at in the spring. It's never too soon to start brainstorming with the planning team at Eden Landscaping. They take your vision they take a look at your budget. They understand some of the things that are hoping to be, you know, your, those, these are your top priorities. For us, it was drainage and usability of our yard. And then they work with you. They work with you to turn your exceptional landscape into a thoughtful, uh, like it's a flowing vision basically. And at the end of the day, it's gotta allow for enjoyment and function as that landscape matures. It's a long-term perspective that comes with experience more than 20 years of it that's eden landscaping they're great listeners you can find out today at landscapeedmonton.ca sure appreciate david hurley making time to talk to us on the show today and i also appreciate when when someone will take a look at an issue and say hey listen i'm just the strategist here You know, I'm not sure exactly what's going to work or what's not going to work, but here's how I think it might land with the public. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the name of the game. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens in Manitoba, the televised debate. I know it seems like, and and this is no slight to Manitoba, Mm. uh, a lot of great folks. and we hear from a lot of real talkers in Manitoba as well, across the prairies, in fact, but that election isn't. Isn't sort of generating a lot of chatter nationwide? No, not at all. Uh, you know, not so much as, a, as an election. I mean, obviously, everyone's paying attention to elections in Alberta, uh, Ontario for sure. BC is always one that people are paying close attention to. But mm-hmm. uh, but in Manitoba, it's it kind of seems to be flying under the radar. But but it's always interesting to see when a province speaks, when a province votes, uh, the momentum that that movement, whether yeah. it might be a big NDP win, which would be huge for Wab Kinew and his team, or yeah, that, that kind of like you. you. You know, you thought you were counting them out. You thought you were counting her out when when Heather Stephenson took over the reins of that party, like David was talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, The outlook wasn't good, uh, but she's managed to bring that party back, and it'll be interesting to see what happens on October 3rd.
2: And it could get a little dirty there, too. You heard the burly, burly, I'm going to call him that, uh, talking about it. You know, like, it'd be great for an Indigenous person to get, you know, in that seat and and make uh, real decisions that affect people's lives, but you can see if, you know, things get tight how they would you know hit below the belt there with with you know talking about crime yeah. constantly yeah. we know what they're doing right and yeah. it works
0: yeah, and that's the thing about negative advertising is people wouldn't do it if it didn't work. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's not something And I was I've, I've been paying. You know, I try to stay up to speed as best I can on these you know stories across the country. And and uh, Mr. Canoe, for, for his part and, and the NDP in Manitoba, have they mm-hmm. do their best to get ahead of it. Like he, he's not denying anything. He says that was yeah. 20 years ago. Here's me now. Here's what I bring to the table. Judge me on. Uh, my journey yeah. and judge me on where I am right now. Could also go horribly
2: for them, too, if they try to punch below the belt on an indigenous person who has right. you know, a checkered past. Like, yeah, it's just well, like it's,
0: it's so cliche, the worst way to go. Right. Yeah. And and uh, and and that's why I wanted to ask David about that is like you've got to approach like there's so much nuance. Right. Mm-hmm. You look at like if, if uh, you know, I mean, I guess I'm not comparing apples to apples here, but kind of in a way. Um, you know, back in 2015 in Alberta, I can't believe it's eight years ago already. Feels like forever ago, I guess. Uh, but like, had Jim Prentice, in may he rest in peace, uh, in that televised debate, it, it, had Rachel Notley been like Robert Notley, uh, mm. you know, if it was if it was a man, if it was a male party leader, and mm-hmm. Jim Prentice had said, "I know math is hard," um, it would have landed a lot differently. Yeah, it, it's you know, you, there, there's nuance to things, and and if it appears as though. Uh, You know, a comment sort of, you know, is is indicative of a deeper something Mm -hmm. than then then, uh, it can it can really land with a thud. And Mm -hmm. that's an example of a comment that did. So you cut to present day in Manitoba. Uh, It's delicate ground upon which to tread. Mm -hmm. It's also not always just officially the parties that are putting messaging out, though, as well. There's a lot of uh, special interest groups, political action committees and the Mm -hmm. like that oftentimes do a lot of the dirt. They're the ones that'll get the dirt under their nails. They're the ones that'll that'll get the blood (laughs) on their hands. You know what I mean? It doesn't always have to be the party leader. Uh, The best feedback ever from Tara Lynn in the live chat, who says, what a great show. It really felt like I was eavesdropping on a great conversation. That is the best feedback ever. That's what we want. And we hope that this has been. How about this from Donna, who says, well, it's a lively show today with a lot of opinions. Uh, And then she says, have a good day, folks. I love that. We hope that this has been not necessarily always easy listening for you, but something where at the end of the show you go, wow, I can't believe it's over already because you've been so engrossed in it. For some of you, I know that this is going to leave you with something to say, like Garth yesterday, if that's you. And if you've got something you want to chime in on, if you think that we missed the mark on something, or you're wondering why we're not talking about something else, our inbox is always open. You can check out the Connect link on our website, ryanjesperson.com. As mentioned, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk to Jennifer Laywet. She was a a delegate. She's out of Saskatchewan. Uh, She was there in Quebec City at the Conservative Convention. We'll get her take. Another angle on this. How is it landing with her? Mo Amir joins us on Thursday. We're going to take a look at what on earth is going on in Vancouver. It seems like they're washing their hands of some really big problems. And then don't forget, mark your calendar. Our Friday Real Talk Roundtable. We're talking housing.
1: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepherd. Website design, Mike Johnston. voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.